Welcome to Whitestone Podcast from the Whitestone Forum. This podcast is for business and nonprofit leaders like you and me, specifically designed around building, polishing, and leveraging our competencies. Each episode will provide a lens through which ever-growing citizens of God's kingdom can think about very effectively impacting every one of their organizations. For Whitestone Podcast, I'm Kevin Miller. Bootstrapping. Have you heard of that? It's pretty interesting. Bootstrapping is one thing that many entrepreneurs have done very well without ever having heard the term before. But when we sort through the whole idea in the next few minutes, with a few twists, of course, well, we'll see that all of us as Christians are privileged to be doing some fruitful bootstrapping. And hey, some people who don't even consider themselves even close to this idea are actually bootstrapping. Let's start with a definition, then build some key observations that each of us can find very useful sooner or later. Nowadays, the term bootstrapping is used in some technical areas, like in statistics, law, and bond yield curves. But what we're talking about is good old-fashioned small business, starting a company. After all, that idea is what most people focus on when they hear the word bootstrapping. Along those lines, the Investopedia website is often helpful, and it has a definition of bootstrapping that's worth starting with. Here it is, and I'm quoting, Bootstrapping describes a situation in which an entrepreneur starts a company with little capital, relying on money other than outside investments. An individual is said to be bootstrapping when they attempt to found and build a company from personal finances or the operating revenues of the new company, unquote. Now, here's more of a street-level take on bootstrapping. An organization has started totally and operates for a significant time using just the owner's resources plus new revenues. No angel investors, no venture capital, no one putting money in, not even a wrench uncle, at least at the start. Now, we all are pretty aware that the vast majority of businesses in America, numerically speaking, are small businesses. They're relatively small operations, like a local store, right? While the corporations like Apple and Google and Toyota dominate with company sales levels and profits, there are fresh, new, vibrant businesses that start every day, like a young go-getter just getting started by mowing lawns or babysitting, like an artist selling works at the local antique mall, like a food cart operator selling hot dogs on a downtown corner, like a bit of consulting going on in the home office of a business professional. Hey, America is historically a country chock full of entrepreneurs. Still, the current reality is that many countries with very high entrepreneurship rates are poverty-stricken. That's because people in these countries struggle to simply survive. So they start businesses, and by the way, many of them are women full of drive and gumption. But many European countries in recent decades are of the opposite profile, 
they have low rates of entrepreneurship for a whole host of social, cultural, and governmental reasons. But a significant segment of the population in the U.S. has continued to stick to a very persistent ideal of entrepreneurial activity. Yeah, many Americans are very independent. They want to start a business to be their own boss, to have more control over the fruits of their efforts at work. It's simply in their DNA. (laughs) In fact, for decades, the wealthiest people in the U.S., typically have not inherited their wealth. They've built their wealth from the ground up. Take the top 10 wealthiest people in America. The record has been that these people started their businesses and lived to see their hard work put them at the top of the wealth heap. You know names like Gates, Bezos, and Zuckerberg, innovators who've truly bettered the lives of millions. Remember, Wealth in a free market is really just the key real-world indicator of successful stewardship on behalf of customers, employees, and investors. And recent history reveals that even the very few folks on the wealthiest list for America who didn't start a business are only one generation removed. They are the sons and daughters of Sam Walton, the legendary founder of Walmart. The response to that list by many Americans? Well, they don't sit back and envy those people or criticize them for being great stewards of their companies. No, instead, they start their own enterprises. It's part of what many perceive to be vital to the American dream, the freedom to start an enterprise and to steward that organization to greatness. Yes, paying workers, pleasing customers, rewarding investors. Now, let's get to the peculiarities of bootstrapping, the start of virtually every business. The story is that the term came of pulling on cowboy boots by those straps that are tightly sewn into the top of the boot. The person who wears the boots takes the effort to position the boots at their feet and get those boots on by pulling vigorously on the two straps on either side of the boot. Then they're literally off and running because they pulled their boots on by the bootstraps, by their own efforts and resources. So let's talk about the pure money dimension of bootstrapping. That's when the founders use only personal resources to make the business start. No other investors, no bank loans to the business. Wait, you say, What about using personal credit cards? Well, that's a bit of a gray area for sure, but many would say that's still bootstrapping when using personal credit cards, not using company borrowing. Then there's the founders contributing the free use of resources already being paid for, like home office space and desks and laptops and other types of work areas. Yes, that's like the giant Hewlett-Packard you know, HP laptops. Yes, famous for starting in co-founder David Packard's garage. (laughs) How about keeping operating costs really low, pinching pennies, doing without, scraping by, putting off unnecessary purchases? That's typical for bootstrapping. Same with astutely managing inventory. 
if the company sells physical products. But it's harder to do when the company needs depth and selection in its product line. That can require some significant resources. But even so, Michael Dell propelled his company ahead with a classic move. 30 years ago, customers used Dell's innovative internet interface to pre-order and prepay for their self-customized computers. Hey, with savvy entrepreneurs, informed creativity makes ways to keep early control of their efforts away from meddling bankers and investors. So let's summarize what's bootstrapping all about. Well, several key things. Yes, keeping vital control early while crafting product market fit while honing marketing and improving operations, while getting ready to much more efficiently raise money through loans or investors. Yes, perhaps even never having to use other people's money, OPM, because personal resources and then revenue made it all work such that the bootstrapper started a business that never ended up needing outsiders' money. Now, hold on, let's back up to what's probably the most important factor. Yes, here's the somewhat hidden, yet very often the most valuable contribution to a bootstrapping effort, what's called sweat equity. That's the founder's background, the experience, the innovation, the thinking, the motivation, the drive, the wisdom, the discernment, the late nights, the perseverance. That all can combine together to create an utterly unique effort that's often the crucial difference between failure and huge success. Here's the truth. Sweat equity is not about being created equal. It's about what's done afterward. In fact, truly successful founders have often paid special attention to building the skills, the knowledge, the wisdom to succeed at bootstrapping. Of course, not everyone is a Gates or a Bezos. But wait a minute. The Christian standard is not a Gates standard or a Bezos standard. Our standard is the partnering with God standard. And this is true for all our spheres of life. It's not limited to just church work or even bootstrapping a business. It starts with God giving each of us our peculiar giftings, including, and I'm quoting, the measure of faith God has assigned, unquote. Romans 12, 3. Then we take it from there, indeed doing all the very things that bootstrappers do. We do our part building on the foundation of Christ. We gather meaningful experience. We work to gain understanding. Yes, we put in sweat equity. That positions us to bootstrap and to witness to others in our spheres of influence. We each run our own undertakings that do business for God's kingdom. But we do this in concert with the Holy Spirit's direction. Hey, we should be expectant that God has specific plans for us. Just like a business startup, we're to be aware that our sweat equity in our vocations, careers, and families is poised for bootstrapping for God's kingdom at little to no additional cost or effort. We're poised and ready with a witness or a word of encouragement. The question is, are we expectantly building towards our God-orchestrated moments 
ready to bootstrap for eternal results? <laughs> In the Christian life, God is our partner, and no effort, event, or experience is wasted. But our willingness and readiness to bootstrap is crucial to the equation. Are you constantly looking to bootstrap your faith, your background, your experience into the extraordinary purposes of God? Purposes that emerge out of the seeming ordinariness of life? Now that's crazy good. Thank you for listening to Whitestone Podcast. Visit our website, whitestone.org, for more real-world equipping. There you'll find uncommon video teachings, application and action questions for this podcast episode, and more. Also, check out our unique downloadable resources for group meetups. That's whitestone.org. I'm Kevin Miller.